Hello and welcome to the See You Tomorrow podcast. I'm Katrina Logie, a creative entrepreneur and a catalyst for change. I get inspired by interviewing people who are creating change for tomorrow's world and building the future. And that's exactly what I do on this show. See You Tomorrow is powered by Harbour Space, the university of the future. So today on the See You Tomorrow podcast, we are talking to Olaf Canine, who is sales strategy and enablement lead for Here Technologies and is currently teaching a course at Harbour Space on sales as a science, which we're going to learn more about. Um, but first of all, Olaf, thank you for joining us today. And uh, nice to have you here all the way from Amsterdam. Thank you. Yep. And you have, have you actually Barcelona? Are you familiar with Barcelona? Yeah, I've been here a few times, um, both on business and privately. Uh, very enjoyable city. Um, it sort of reminds me a little bit of Amsterdam from an atmosphere point of view, but it's a lot bigger. And um, it sort of pains me to admit that the food is a lot better here as well. So, yeah, uh, I adore it. And then you have the sea and the beautiful weather as well. So uh, And funny enough, a lot of Dutch people seem to yeah live in although um i was amazed by the amount of french people that i i i almost hear more french than uh, spanish on the streets right now so i guess they are all fleeing um the uh, tighter regime in france to uh, to enjoy a little bit of uh, freedom here definitely i mean at the moment i think they are the sort of number one tourism <laughs> because nobody else can can get here Exactly, and obviously the connection is to, is 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 very good on uh, on the soccer front with uh, with both coaches and um, trainers and players that have moved uh, from uh, Ajax actually to Barcelona. So yeah, ah yes, there's a bit of a connection there as well. I see. Are you a football fan? Yes. Yeah. I would say I'm a football fan. Yeah, I'm a not not a football fanatic, but I'm still a fan. And yeah. always been, and yeah, well, my, my little club's called Ajax, so it's from, from Amsterdam, and uh, yeah, still a fan. Oh, great. You play yourself, I take it. I used to play until I met this one very big guy who smashed my knee in half, and then um, the advice was to, uh, stop, <laughs> to stop playing football and start uh, doing some other sports. Okay, great. So what other sports do you do, actually? Uh, well, I enjoy skiing a lot, which may be a bit funny for a guy that comes from a flat country like Holland. Um, my parents were um, very fanatic skiers. So I grew up skiing a lot. Um, I love to play uh, both tennis and squash, but with a bad knee, that doesn't work very well either. Yes. Um, so I resorted to uh, running, fitnessing, and um, old man as I am, I enjoy my game of golf now. Oh, goodness. Okay. Well, that's good for focus, isn't it? Oh, yeah. No, I love golf a lot. And I might be an old man, but I still, the best thing I, I, I enjoy with golf is, is getting the driver out and just hitting it as far as I can. So Yes, I can imagine. Yeah. So tell us about, you know, you're growing up in uh, Amsterdam. Yeah. Tell us about, you know, how you kind of got to where you are today with your work and getting into sales. Okay. Um I'll try and be uh, brief about that because, um, as you can imagine, uh, like anybody else, I like to talk a lot about myself. <laughs> uh, but you are sales. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Um, yeah. So, so I, I, yeah, I grew up in Amsterdam. I did all my studies in Amsterdam. For my studies, I actually went abroad. Um, I enjoy exploring the world. 
Um, I actually worked in um, in America while studying. I worked for uh, Mercedes Benz um, and continued working there. My uh, my father was a Mercedes Benz dealer. He had a um, a big dealership in in the Netherlands. So that took me from the U.S. Um, to Germany. Um, and that was during my second study. So my first study was a business school. The second study, I went to university. And when I rounded all of that off, um, I worked another few years for Mercedes-Benz. Um, I didn't like the automotive business that much. Uh, very, uh, th th there's, there was little growth in it. There was, everything was arranged, like the prices, what the car looked like, etc. That That was all not within, within our um, ability to change. And um, then I got uh, into IT, which was completely different. So, um, and, and especially software, because software you can just create out of nothing. You write a few lines of codes and then your computer starts doing things. And I found that fascinating. So more interesting than the automotive. Oh, definitely, infinitely more interesting. It was a lot more complex as well. You can touch it, a car you can touch, this you couldn't touch. And also a lot more interesting to sell. Uh, the funny thing is I got into sales, whereas when I was a student, I hated sales. I, you, I, you studied I, finance? I studied finance and marketing, mm -hmm. and I thought sales was for very stupid people with a bad uh, taste in clothes, shiny, um, mm. shiny uh, suit on. Mm. And, um, you know, I had that thing, uh, what they call like the, 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 the used car salesman syndrome, you know, like yes. um, they're, they're, they're only trying to cheat you out of money. Yes. So that was my um, that was my idea on sales, and then when I got into corporate sales, uh, started started selling um, software mm -hmm. and ERP systems. I learned that sales is a lot more than that. Um, that sales is actually both a science and an art. Mm -hmm. um, that it takes a group of people. That's almost like a, a project that you do. That it could take up to twelve months to to do a, a big sale. Uh, that it involves a lot of questioning, that it involves a lot of uh, thinking and doing product demos, etc. So this is where I really got into sales and really started uh, to enjoy and like it and um, actually never left it since. Right. So what it, in terms of the art of sales, yeah, what is in, in a, you know, how can you sum that up in one sentence? In one sentence? Well, if I could, I would, but I can't. So I'll use just a few, few more words for that. <laughs> um, let me start with doing the science of sales, actually, because uh, I think sales takes a lot of discipline and this is why it is a science. Uh, you really need to plan well ahead. Uh, you need to prepare very well. Um, you need to understand how a sales cycle develops and you need to do the appropriate things at the appropriate time. Um, so that's the science of sales, and that's actually what we are teaching right now. Up on, on, on top of that comes the art of sales, mm. and this has much to do with basically the art of communication. Mm. So I think real storytelling is an art mm -hmm. uh, more than a science. Um, although there's probably some science behind it, it's still an art. Um, asking the right question at the right time um, requires a lot of empathy and... Um, 
feel for other people and I would consider that a little bit of an art as well. So the typical things that people would see people do as in the skills that you uh, need to possess to do it, that's more the arty side of sales. Mm. Uh, the science of sales is the really the grinding, the discipline, uh, getting enough prospects into your pipeline and then turning them into hot prospects and then into customers, etc. So that, that, that would be the science of the sales. Which bit do you like? I like both actually. One doesn't go without the other. So you can be really good at the science of sales, but then if you screw up one deal after the other because you don't understand the art of sales, uh, that doesn't work. If you're only good at the art of sales, you will only have the occasional sale because you don't have the discipline to go into the market and to keep on bringing your message to your prospects each and every time and um, to, to overcome uh, resistance um, and to overcome being let down and to overcome uh, all of the um, uh, barriers that you have mm. before you finally make the sale. So basically when somebody says no to you, you have to kind of keep, keep, on, keep on going. Um, well, yes and no. Um, what does uh, it take to be a good salesperson? Empathy. I think it takes empathy. You really need to understand the other person and be genuinely interested in what their goals are, what they are trying to achieve. If you have that from a natural point of view, um, if you're naturally uh, outgoing, but also very inquisitive, that will, that will help. Uh, you do a sale uh, a lot more easily. Um, understanding um, the other one's business real quickly. So you need to be some, you, you need to have some analytical skills as well. So so being quick on your feet, quick, uh, quick in understanding what the other person is trying to buy from you, really. Mm -hmm. um, and then go from there and don't push your, I mean, everybody hates being sold to, right? Mm. If somebody comes up to you in the middle of the street and starts selling something, yes. I hate it. I, actually, I hate it because... Um, they are actually befouling my uh, my trade, if you would. This is the sales that people hate. So mm. I, I like to see sales as helping people buy. But at a point in time, you need to um, you need to do your dance and you need to sell something. But there is an appropriate time for that. So taking no for an answer is actually um, uh, quite a good thing to do as a salesperson, mm. because the last thing you want to be doing is pushing somebody into a sale. I used to give the example uh, in class, um, I own a dog and when I walk the dog, he's on a leash and normally he would walk with me, but if he then stands still and I pull on the leash, the thing he does, he just sits down and he puts his paws down and there's no moving him. He's, by the way, he's 40 kilos, this dog, uh -huh. and there's no moving him. And the harder I pull, the harder he pushes back. If I then go and stand next to him, and I release the tension from uh, the leash and wait for him to stand up and walk with me, then I don't have a problem anymore. Now, to me, that is selling. Very so good. it's not it's not about pulling that leash. It's about yes. standing next to him and walking as he starts walking. So it's, Gu it's guiding him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, letting him guide me. Letting him guide you. Yes. Yeah. But OK. But in the background, obviously, I'm guiding him as well. It, without him knowing. Exactly. There you go. So that would be. Um, 
sales to me in a, in a, in a, in, uh, in the shortest possible. <laughs> that's interesting. Funny enough, I did a um, I was uh, did a, a sort of like a, a course with a horse whisperer, right? Which is very good for sales teams. Oh yeah. And basically, it's how you it, you know again how you guide the horse. You don't pull him. So. So you weren't in my class by any coincidence or walking by as I was telling today my students that I did a course with a horse whisperer. <laughs> I do that with salespeople. So yeah, I have a, a, a colleague coach of mine. I do sales training, but also sales coaching. And a colleague coach of mine uh, does that with horses. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So, so I know how that I know what that feels like. And it really tells you the story okay. about how the emotion you should feel when you're selling. Definitely. So, yeah, so it's not about pushing people into somewhere they don't want to go. I mean, sales nowadays is also about building relationships. And even if it's a short relationship, it's also about building references, etc. So everybody's in it for the long run. So yeah, just selling somebody something that they actually do not really want, pushing it on them and then moving on again is actually... There's only very few places where you see that still happening. That would be like, I don't know, on the beach when you buy one of these towels. But Yes. Yeah. So do you think, I mean, because you talked about, uh, you know, we were, when we were talking earlier about it's not necessarily, necessarily an extrovert who, who you no. know, is good at sales. It's, all, it's about finding the balance between not being too pushy and sort of, you know, as you said, but also stepping back and listening. Yeah. I would say... Um, for 80% of the sales cycle, 80% of what you do is listening and 20% is talking. And for 20%, the last 20% of the sales cycle, when you actually found out enough, that's where you do 80% of the talking and they do 20% of the listening. Right. Amazing. It's a lot of 80s and 20s, but I hope uh, you get <laughs> you get the message. No, absolutely. Right. No, because I think um, that's the, the mistake some people make is they think they have to sell literally, physically, you know, talking. But actually, it's, it's, it's not. It's actually listening to them. As you said, being empathetic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's helping people buy, which to me sounds a bit fluffy. I mean, sales is still about hitting your numbers, about hitting your targets. And if you do corporate sales, you're the one responsible for bringing in all that money that needs to pay for all the salaries of all the people working there. So it is, uh, it's a tough business as well. Um, so without trying to make it sound fluffy, you need to help people to buy. Mm -hmm. uh, but still, you need to make your quote and your numbers. And this is actually the big split and the I think one of the most difficult things in sales is if everybody pushes you to, um, to, to, to get to your target and still you have to refrain from pushing uh, to other people's the way people are pushing towards you. So that, that, that's one of the biggest things I think professional sellers currently are struggling with. Okay, so you're actually, you know, you're a sales trainer and a sales coach and also I yes. see you have, you know, sales enable enablement background. Yes, exactly. So can you just talk a little bit about that um, in terms of, because that's very much a term terminology that has come up over the last, what, how many years? Well, I think it started about, I don't know, I picked up about, uh, about it about 10 years ago. Uh, maybe it was around before that already um, in, in, but, but not really big. It's getting really big now every, 
every self-respecting company now has a sales enablement uh, department. Um, and the enablement really is, well, it's a bit more than just the training and the coaching um, because um, it's also about translating the training and the coaching into actual use. So if I, if I were to train you, you would probably remember about 20% of what I trained you on. If we would then do some exercises and I would um, um, skill you up and, and exercise the skills in a safe environment, you would actually uh, go up to 60% of, your, um, of, of the stuff that we learned. Then if I start coaching you in real life and helping you actually implement what you've uh, what you've learned in real life, then you go up to 80 or 90% of applying the things you've learned. So just to give you an example how that would work, um, suppose I would um, tell you or create your knowledge about um, uh, uh, a certain type of asking questions. So you need to yeah, have three categories of asking questions and I would teach you about these categories. Mm -hmm. You would go away and you you would have been trained by me and you would probably maybe think about it a few more times, but you would probably not use it in real life. Now, if we start exercising this in a safe environment and you exercise it with some of your colleagues and you try it out a few times, this is where you actually start using it and you become a little bit more familiar with it. Um, still, fear would probably hold you back from doing it in real life, fear of failure. Yes. Now, if I'm there with you as a sales coach, and we are in that particular area together and um, uh, I'm sitting next to you and I have prepped you just before you go into that interview to actually ask those types of questions, then the chance that you will actually do it in real life is a lot bigger. So um, this is where I really changed your behavior um, rather than just taught you something. So it's about hitting all of these three spots. And that is really what sales enablement is about. Okay. And it's also about integrating marketing with sales and sales with delivery. And so, so it, it, it's sort of like a spider web function uh, for sales going much more into, um, into the company as a whole, mm -hmm. integrating there and also getting sellers, not just trained, but all the way up to where uh, you can connect the training to the results that they bring to the company. I see, I see. So, and then making sure that they have repeat buyers. Well, that's the ultimate goal, to create ambassadors that will come back again and again, and actually to create ambassadors that will bring on new customers without you having to go out into the market to search for them. Wow. It's quite a sort of complex system, isn't it? But it, I mean, yeah, it's... it is. Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, you have to think about many things. But you said, oh, yeah. I mean, sales and urban in a nutshell, three things that you have to consider. Yeah. Repeat again. So it's the, the, the knowledge that you need to put in somebody's head, then the skills that you need to practice with them, and then the, um, um, the behavior that you need to change. Right, okay. So it's, it's kind of like making them think about yeah. their own experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so that and, and that's the training part of it. Then, obviously, um, the, the the integration part of it is is another big um, area where sales enablement is active. So, making sure that marketing connects to sales and sales connects to delivery is another very important area. 
um, where enablement is active. Okay. And so, I mean, are you, at the moment, you're um, working as a sales strategy and enablement lead for Here Technologies. Correct. How are you sort of, you know, describe this uh, experience that you're talking about now. How are you sort of doing it for the company that you're working for now? Um, well, I'm working on uh, several uh, different projects uh, for this company. The, re the reason I joined here was um, because the role um, was very much focused towards uh, the coaching bit of it. And that is the part that I enjoy most. Why, why is that? Um, because it puts you back in real life and uh, real life has a real funny way of throwing curveballs at you. And for some strange reason, um, that's the bit that I enjoy most. So when the going gets tough, that's where I uh, really start uh, feeling energized because that's where, and, and also uh, because this is, where, this is where it's happening for real. Yeah. So I enjoy training people and I enjoy building up their knowledge. Um, and that's all good. Uh, but after a while that, that gets to be a bit tedious, whereas in practice it never gets tedious because it's always different. And that's what I like. Right. And are you working remote? Yes. Unfortunately I am. Although how, I how think, I think they're opening, they're opening the offices right now. In Amsterdam? In Amsterdam, yes. I see. So because they're, 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 they're making the rules. Yeah. The lockdown is, is easing up now. Yeah. So, 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 because the restaurants are being closed and everything, as you were explaining. Yeah, yeah. So they, they they're slowly opening up. Yeah, the lockdown was pretty severe. Uh, we didn't have to wear masks, which I really hate about Barcelona. I know. <laughs> Wearing that 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 mask all the time. Uh, so we didn't have that. But other than that, uh, most businesses were were actually shut and closed. And um, and it's also changed the way that, in terms of how you do sales. Massively. COVID. Yeah, COVID. Uh, yeah, massively. Uh, uh, but it also enabled to a certain extent um, because now it's pretty normal. I mean, I, I have an international sales role. Mm. So I could have um, a guy from Sweden, a guy from Italy, a guy from, uh, from Amsterdam uh, and me um, uh, being part of the sales same, te the same sales team uh, approaching a customer who is also spread all over the world. And because everybody had to go remote, um, a lot of these people would normally, or one or two people would normally uh, be clumsy with remote and the meeting wouldn't go as good and you'd have to redo it again. And uh, in the end you get into a plane and you fly everywhere. And so I flew 20 times across the world um, to have all of these meetings. And all of a sudden I can do that from my home. So uh, it, it is a great enabler as well, but obviously you do not get the connection it's, it's through very a different. screen no. that we are getting right now sitting in the same room, right? So, Definitely. So, so, yeah. So do you find that a challenge? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, uh, the biggest challenge we had when COVID just kicked in was um, getting our salespeople over the nervousness of, of doing all of this and, and uh, being, on a, uh, being on a call, uh, actually understanding the technology, although it's all quite easy, uh, you know, uh, being able to create a breakout session or hold a poll or making sure that people weren't doing their email as you were talking to them because you can't really tell. So, um, I mean, 
if I were to start a normal sales meeting uh, and people would have their laptops out, I would actually kindly ask them to, to please put their laptops away whilst we were talking, just as a matter of courtesy. Um, and uh, now you can't do that. So for all you know, they're looking at you straight in the camera and doing their email. Uh, so. So how does that affect the sale? That, that is actually quite tough because um, one of the things that I make them do is I make them ask a lot more questions. It is what I do in my class now as well. Okay. So have a bit of a surprise act and this is just a little trick um, to keep people honest, is, uh, as I say. Yeah. So that they uh, keep on paying attention because if you, well, a, if you interact with people, it's good to ask them questions because an interaction should be both ways. Definitely. And B, um, you're keeping everybody involved. So, um, um, well, it's important to engage the person. Well, it's it's the engagement, and it's also um, I would almost say the fear of being asked questions and not paying attention because you're uh, typing up emails that 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 holds people. You might miss something. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and you've also here written, you do not transform people, you facilitate them to transform, them, transform themselves. That's, that's, that's the essence of sales. It's, it's not, a, the pushy sales will try and transform you. The good sales guy, the real professional, instead of standing in front of you, shouting at you how you should change, just stands next to you and takes you by the hand and leads you through to change. Okay. So a good salesperson to me is very much like a coach. It's, it's about, it's when the other guy or the other girl or the other party does not want to change, pushing them will only push them further back into their defenses. Mm -hmm. So letting go, releasing and facilitating them will actually lead to change. Um, might take a little bit longer at first, but towards the end, it goes a lot quicker. Okay. So my ratio is one in five. If you take um, one day gained in the start of a sales cycle is five days lost in the end of a sales cycle. So you're better off taking uh, a good amount of days when you're still forming. Uh, that will save you a lot of time. Um, at, at, at the later stages. Okay. So in terms of, you know, your, the bit that you like is, is to empower people with, you know, yeah. with sales. Yes. And then, um, and that's what you're doing for this company that you're working with right now. Yes. And also, but I mean, the other, the other way is also you're teaching them how to sell online. Which yes. Is, which is a challenge in itself. Yeah, so that's an extra skill. It's, it's still the same process, but it's just an extra skill. It's an extra channel that you need to master. Yeah. And it's very much like here to stay. It will. Yeah. For, for sure. And especially in international sales, one of the biggest problems we had why um, we couldn't always use it was because some of our customers weren't accustomed to it or didn't like it. And our customers made us fly all over the world. And, and how much, I mean, we're saving money by, and time. Oh yeah. No, right. t m money and time saving and, and, um, let's not forget the environment because, um, all that flying Absolutely. is not, is not really, um, healthy, um, uh, healthy air, right? No, so. but, but exactly. But, but as a result, you're getting quicker results. No? Yeah. I do hope that I will have the occasional flight and the occasional meeting where we actually meet up in person because I really do enjoy that as well. Well, you're a people person, no? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you need to be in front of people. Uh, that's, yeah. I mean, that, that is the, the, the best place to be. I mean, um, uh, if you want to understand them and for them to understand you, um, that's the most ideal place to be is close together physically and then via your Zoom and then via phone call and then via an email and then, so a, yeah. A combination. Yeah. So let's talk about the course that you're teaching at Harbour Space. What are the students learning from the, you know, the science of sales? Or the se- yeah. Sales of science. <laughs> they could um, say either way, couldn't they? Yeah. Um, what I'm trying to teach them, and I hope they'll learn that, is um, that everything starts with how people buy. So the sales, it, it, it's, a, it's a real big misconception that you start with selling. You start with how people buy. Um, once you understand how people buy, you can stand next to them and start helping them. And that, the way you help them buy will be your sales cycle. But mm-hmm. what you need to watch out for is how people buy and then adjust your uh, actions accordingly. So uh, a typical start for somebody um, who is, uh, that, that, that wants to buy something I see sales, by the way, as just a change, right? If you buy something, you change. Yes. Uh, if you buy a new car, you've just changed, and you uh, or you okay. buy. Okay. So, so change is all part. So yeah, it's 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 all about it. So if somebody goes uh, and buys something, it's usually because they have a problem. So the first thing they do if they have a problem is they probably talk to some people to see how they solve the problem, or if they have that problem as well. We call that the orientation phase. And um, as a salesperson at this point in time, um, if you were then to say, I have the best solution, they are not ready to uh, digest solutions yet. They're still figuring out how big the problem is. So you need to help them defining the problem and the root cause of the problem. Right. So So that's the first step you take. Oh, sorry. You're taking them on a journey. You're taking them on on, on, on the buying journey that they're going through. And this buying journey, although we like to think about it very neatly, it's one big chaos. You know, it's uh, people go everywhere and they don't they don't play by uh, neat phases, etc. So it's really about guiding them from one phase to the other and creating some logic into their buying, uh, into their what we call a buying cycle. So they would orient themselves. Um, then they would look at some potential, uh, uh, you, you know, they, they would get to the root cause of the problem. Um, they would look at some potential solutions. They would then maybe test one or two of them. And then in the end, they choose one and they, uh, they go with that one. And as a seller, you will be most effective if you recognize the fact that that is what they do and you help them throughout the entire journey. Um, rather than um, trying to push other people out and, um, uh, and, and try and sell your product and position your product, um, that's only appropriate after you've an- analyzed the root, uh, the root cause analysis and actually that's the point where you go to a solution. So this is the basis of what I teach and what I then teach the people is, okay, how do you analyze that process? What are the steps that a, that a buyer goes through? So what are the steps that you're supposed to go through and what tools and methodologies can you use and how do you use them and how do you communicate during that whole cycle? So what do you communicate? Which bits of your value proposition do you communicate when? 
So in a nutshell, it's really about matching buying to selling behavior, mm -hmm. creating your value proposition, and then having the appropriate messaging on each stage of the buying cycle, creating tools that will help you go through these uh, cycles, uh, the sales tools that, that will help you go through it, and uh, selecting a, metholo a, a methodology that, that really fits uh, mm. with, 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 your sales, um, with your sales type. Okay. When you, when Am I you... still making sense? Because this is actually going quite deep, but... Uh... No, no, it is. Yeah? It is. yeah All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. You're, you're making sales sound interesting. <laughs> yeah. See? Doing a good sales job there. Yes. Doing a good sales job on sales. Well, that's a mind twister for you. Exactly. So, you know, when you're teaching the students, do you see, like, um, certain students that are good at understanding the process? Like, what you know... Do you think that there's a certain character that fits what you're what you're um, teaching? Um, yeah, I, I again, I mean, I um, I don't remind whether I said in the interview or beforehand, but yes. the, the thing about the discipline, so that sales requires a lot of discipline. Yeah, I can see that the most disciplined students usually also are the ones that really get how this whole works because it, it it's um it's it's as you said it's quite a complex um to get somebody that doesn't know your company to actually to create an ambassador that will actually say well i'll i'll send some other people over to you to buy uh from you because uh, it's been such an amazing journey together with you uh and all the things that go with that both the art and the science so um it's, it's pretty complex and what I see is that you just have to put in um, the hours to uh, to actually get to grips with that. Uh, and what I do see is that the more disciplined uh, students um, are the ones that are the best at the science bit. We also have uh, the more, um, we have some people that are good at certain arts of it. People that are very good at delivering a story, delivering a, um, uh, a line or, or, um, or delivering a pitch. Mm -hmm. to me that are not necessarily good salespeople because that's just one yeah. of the things that you need to be able to do. But the, I mean, the thing that I, if I was thinking about sales, the thing that I would struggle with is closing the sales. Why? Why? Because I'm very good at taking people on a journey, but not necessarily thinking, okay, how do I, I, I struggle with the like, okay, how do I close this deal? Do you know what I mean? Because I then think right. it's a process. Yeah, it is a process. So, yeah. but the process has a natural end, right? So, yeah, but then I sort of just continue thinking. All right, this is never ending. Oh you know? wow! <laughs> so I think you should uh, attend maybe next week <laughs> when, when, when we're going about closing. The funny thing is that it comes to a natural close. So. Um, yeah, can once, I, I, once might, the, I might join your class. Yeah. Well, you should have joined yesterday when I had one of my guest speakers that is a negotiation expert, ah. and we're basically saying selling goes into negotiation. So um, really, when you're done selling, it's about um, uh, uh, posing your prices in, okay, we, we've sold all of this. This is how much uh, we want to have for it. And then you go into the negotiation area where they would say, well, that is ridiculous. We can't pay that much. And we only pay that much. And yeah. then you go like, okay, well, you can pay that much. But then, you know, we need to have like a five-year contract with uh, a guarantee for another five years. And then we could potentially do that price. And, you know, this is where the sort of the haggle and staggle uh, starts or when you get more, um, 
when you get more professional, this is where you start to give and take just not just the price, but you know, on quality and on uh, services and on all of the other things that, that, that you can deliver. Um, and that's where the negotiation starts. Mm. And at a point in time, you're done negotiating and, and it's about, and this is a hard bit because um, this is where the, the customer usually gets cold feet. Yeah, where, where, what yeah. do you need to sort of bring in when it comes to negotiation? What do you need to think about? Um, well, again, negotiation is 80% preparation. So um, you really, if you're a good negotiator, you have already started way back before you started negotiating, you have already started preconditioning your customer with messages mm -hmm. so that by the time you deliver your first offer, they're actually relieved. So that's one little uh, uh, trick that uh, a good ne negotiator has, has up his sleeve. Okay, because actually um, that brings me to sort of talk about neuroscience when it yeah. comes to selling. Oh yeah, there's loads of neuroscience. I, selling is one big, huge ma manipulative Sorry about the... the manipulative. The manipulative. Manipulative, yes. Manipulative. Yeah, there you go. It's a good tongue breaker. <laughs> good one for an interview. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, it's all about neuroscience. It's a very psychological... You have to read other people. Yeah, you do. You have to... And, and especially when it comes to negotiation, because this is where people hold their cards close to their chest, um, you have to understand... Uh, well, you have to understand yourself. Mm-hmm. As in, you know, where's my break point? When, when, when do I, when it's not, when is it no longer a good deal for me? And you have to understand the break point of the other guy, or at least have a good feeling for, you know, when is he going to walk away? And when is he with, within yes, his break point? Exactly. So that is, um, that's all of the stuff that's being taught to the students. Okay. Uh, and this is, this, this is the, this is exactly the stuff that we go over. This is the stuff that we went over yesterday. Yeah. And so actually they're building startups, but they need to know how to sell their product. Yes. And you actually enjoy working with startups and scale ups. Fantastic. I mean, the energy that, uh, you know, the lack of politics, the focus on results and the energy is just, yeah, that that's where you want to work really. Okay, so you'd rather be working with startups and scallops rather than working for a, a big... Well, I'm working for a big company now, uh, but they are in the technology business and we sell to startups as well. Uh -huh. um, so I still get that. Um, what is the product you're selling? Um, well, it's location, it, it's location services. So um, it's most easily explained if you have a car and you have a navigation system in it, the 90% chance that we provide it all of the data so we provide the digital maps and we provide um, the fact that uh, we can actually locate a person and we can have locations on our maps and we guide them from a to b so, so that's because that's a challenge in itself isn't it yeah. in terms of delivery well um finding locations for, for yeah for consumers yeah, everybody knows google maps yeah. so uh, there you go that's our biggest competitor which isn't great I must uh say. okay well thank you <laughs> <laughs> Download the Here We Go app. Yes, um, okay, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that's that. That's more our automotive business. But um, yeah, we have a whole. We have other verticals, uh, and you can imagine that a lot of um, a lot of the businesses do deliveries, and last mile delivery is um, a, a specialty. Um, and you need to have very good maps. They need to be very detailed. Uh, you need to have a good pinpoint position. Um, so, so, so the, a lot comes to bear when it goes about that. And then you need to have like a planning software that plans people from A to B to C in the best possible route. 
So there's uh, that, that, that's the type of thing that, that, that we would be selling. To, uh, so it's a good navigation tool. And also, yeah. num- I think it's very important. I mean, you probably agree that you have to believe in your product yeah. to, to, to sell it. Absolutely. So, which I'm, I'm totally all about that. You know, I have to kind of, you know, feel like I'm, in, you know, this I believe in kind of thing. So obviously you enjoy working with this company and, and absolutely yeah no it's an absolute delight they they are on the cutting edge of technology um their solution they have they they they, they created a platform for that um which is the way i i think which is the way forward um they are i mean they they manage one of the biggest data lakes in the world um so they're all about big data and and how to make a useful information out of that and I think moving forward, this location-related, um, these relate, location-related questions are going to be become more and more important for businesses. Definitely. Because uh, I mean, if you have a marketing messages up somewhere, you want to know how many people are passing it. You need a map, and you need to identify the people on the map, and you need to identify how long it takes them to walk by, and all of that information is information that we can provide, for example, to a marketing company. Yes, very much so. So it's about where are your customers? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, 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 I enjoy it. And I, I, it's immensely complex, I have to say. It was like uh, the, 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 the months onboarding was drinking from the fire hose, as they say. So it was really, really tough. But I'm starting to get the hang of it a little bit now. So, How long have yeah. you been there for? Not very long, for two months now. I see. Yes. But now you're getting the hang of it. But it's, yeah. I mean, you like a challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. And so what are the students, you know, going to come away with from your, you know, what do you, what do you want to see them right. come away with? Well, what we create is what we call a sales playbook. So um, there is a typical way in which companies buy and um, I give them that. So I give them a buying cycle and then depending on, the, on whether they have like a high touch or a low touch or a medium touch um, sales cycle. So do they have a lot of contacts and does it take a long time or is it a quite easy, straightforward sale that you can close in one or two conversations, uh, which would be the low touch? Um, we would then start developing their sales cycle and uh, their activities, um, how their customers are supposed to react, uh, the fact that their customers are supposed to commit to certain things because otherwise um, you don't know how you're going to end up. Um, and they, they, they put all of that in a sales playbook. Mm-hmm. And this playbook enables them not only to sell their own product, this playbook in the end enables them to um, hire salespeople to sell the product for them. Because if you give them the playbook, they will immediately understand what to do. So we go to through uh, different iterations. Mm-hmm. We go through so much detail that if you would actually get the sales playbook of one of my students... You would understand their business, their value proposition, um, who their buyers are, how they are buying, how you are supposed to sell, and what tools you can use in order to do that. And that's all in that playbook, and that's the big deliverable that they have for their own company by the time they're finished. Okay. Now, um, I've worked with other startups that um, uh, wanted to get funding, and... um, one of the one of the startups that I um, that I helped create their sales playbook, it was the only thing in their I think it was in their Series B or something that that, that it was the only thing that they presented to their um, to their initial investors. Right. They said this is how we're going to market it. 
And, and the investors loved it uh, because they said, okay, finally we have a startup that is not that has not fallen in love with the product that nobody can ever sell. This is actually a startup that will make me money. And don't get me wrong, these investors are in it for the money. Most mm, of them of are. Yeah. Even if they have very good motives next to the money, they wanna they wanna get a return on their investment. Mm, and they want to make sure that the the people they're investing in know how to sell. Yeah, they know. Yeah, they need to know how to. Sell. I mean, in the end, um, if you want to have a successful startup, um, there's no way around that. You need to sell. You need to be able to sell, even if it's an NGO. Um, and I've used this explanation also. Uh, an NGO has two sides. There's the 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 idealistic side uh, of what we were trying to achieve mm-hmm. and making it a better world. Um, and I'm all for that. But then there is the side that says, hold on, in order to change the world, we need a little bit of cash to finance that. Yes. So we need donors. So what are we going to sell to the donors to make them give us cash? Yes. And off you go, you're in a sales cycle. So even an NGO uses CRM system and sales techniques and sales tactics to, uh, to, to get to their ultimate goal of doing good. You still need to sell it because, um, you know, money is the big enabler. And in order to get money in, you need to sell something. Yes. And understand the, the, the process. Understand the process and understand the buyers and understand their needs. And yes, so wow. it's all of that. So, so yes, we build, uh, I haven't personally built one, but yes, a, a good NGO will have a sales playbook as well. Okay, great. And so obviously the playbook is something that, um, is effective for startups that yes. you have brought in and now you're teaching this at the university at Harbour Space. Exactly. And what do you like about teaching? Oh, I hate it. No, it's it, it, teaching. Uh, what I like about it, most fantastic thing um, is um, seeing people grow. Uh, so there's nothing that energizes me more than seeing somebody else grow. Um, and I do that then through knowledge transfer. Um, uh, so I like it to, to, to get down and dirty and coach and, and really get operational in the market and be uh, challenged. But seeing people grow is actually um, one of the biggest treats that you can have. So I had this one guy, um, this course that um, when he started, he was sort of mediocre on his, um, um, on his sales playbook and you could see that he sort of understood but not really and it was a bit messy etc and then um, uh, this morning I looked at his homework again uh, I was going through it and I was just so amazed by the quality of work that he delivered and you know that just that just makes me want to jump up you know take a shower go to the university start you know, getting and, results yeah and 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 sharing it with him it, it just it, it it energizes me to see people grow amazing apparently yeah yeah well that's great yeah and you're sharing your knowledge as well well there you go yeah so doing some good on the other side as well yes. yeah leaving leaving your you can't sort of um you know you can't die without leaving your legacy well there you go <laughs> <laughs> i hope it will be a while but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's what you have to think about. You yeah, know? Well, yeah, yeah. What the, well, yeah. It, th- that's that's truly starting with the end in mind. <laughs> yes. What they what what do I want them to put on my gravestone? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what do they? What do you want? Uh, oh, I yeah. That 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 would that that spot would then be reserved for family and kids. So this <laughs> here lies but if you, there. Okay, if someone was to describe you, how would they describe you? Um. 
I think um, energetic yeah. would be the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, I seem to have loads and loads of energy and passion. Uh, so energetic, passionate, uh, uh, but also very result driven, no nonsense and always in for a laugh. Wonderful. And that's how you teach, actually. That's how, that's what you teach. Um, yeah, you'd have to ask my students, but I hope that is how I teach. Yeah. On a good day. I would imagine. <laughs> so um, just a couple of other things before we, uh, you know, finish this uh, chat. What, do you, what books, are you reading any books on sales? Or are you listening to any podcasts? Or, you know, what, how do you learn? How do you grow yeah. yourself? I, I read loads of books. I mean, customer-centric selling or the Miller-Hyman technique. Or um, I read about, you know, Dan Pink and how to motivate people. Um, I really love to read about coaching because I think sales is coaching your buyer into buying. Uh, and helping them. So uh, I read a lot uh, with regards to coaching. Of late, um, I actually um, love Sales Hacker, saleshacker.com. There is just a huge community out there of uh, people that are um, really, I wouldn't say changing the game because I think in essence, sales is still the same. Uh, but they're reinventing the wheel and um, they're l- using a lot of very handy automation to, um, uh, to enable sellers to be better, better and better, uh, to, to, to train them better. And also the insights they currently have on, on how to do sales is going very much into uh, a buyer-centric approach. That's how sales is changing. Yeah, that is how sales is changing. People are... Um, uh, more and more moving into this buying-centered uh, approach, less pushy, uh, much more uh, co-creation. Um, although you still, um, I mean, what, what will always stay is the pressure on salespeople to perform. And therefore, as soon as you start pressuring them, they will feel the pressure and they will start pushing their customers as well. And this is, this is actually the big paradox where... Um, where the good salespeople will remain buyer focused and the not so good salespeople will then fall into the trap of trying to push their products onto the market. And also with the online selling, it's much yeah. more now since COVID. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's a huge change. So, so a lot of people, a lot of businesses went to online, although I have to say that that change is uh, far greater in the business to consumer world than in the business-to-business world where the, 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 the product services and solutions that are being sold are often too complex to, to just um, uh, push out to, to online sales. Right. And it still needs human interaction to sell them. Okay. So how do, how do you manage that? Uh, well, you do. I mean, we do a lot of um, um, either Zoom, WebEx or um, uh, team meetings. Uh, which is challenging in itself because it's a new ch- it's it's a new channel uh, channel right and 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 you need to uh, you need to develop a new set of skills in order to master that particular channel. But, okay, uh, so that's, that's sort of team building and yeah 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 absolutely. That's how you kind of you know get them excited. Yeah. Well, it's sometimes it's very hard to keep people excited um, o- online. Mm. Um, the engagement is just less. Um, you, you you're not quite sure what people are doing exactly and I also notice myself I could talk to you like this for two hours Mm. 
if you're asking me for two hours online meeting after 45 minutes i just need to take a break yeah it's 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 that much more and apparently there's been scientific studies done to that as well and it's actually been proven that watching a screen and interacting through a screen is a lot more tiring than um so so, so do you shorten the time yes yes we okay. deliberately shorten the time and try and do as much upfront as we can. Okay, nice. Yeah. Okay, and just uh, regarding delivery of sales, I mean, how, obviously that's changed a lot as well in terms of when you're selling and then delivering the product. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's an area where um, I sort of um, um, uh, draw my line, as in that's not my expertise anymore. But, but this is this is where it goes into logistics, and we, where we hand over contract uh, to implementation or to delivery that will then have to uh, uh, take over from there. And um, well, that's and a, that's into... a, but that's the customer experience, isn't it? Absolutely, it's still part of the customer experience. Um, that's where we would hand over to either a customer service team or whatever, and, and they will then, I would say sales is um, getting somebody out of the world, out of the universe uh, that could be interested in our product and then guide them all the way through to that they would actually buy the product. Mm -hmm. And then for another department to then make sure that that happens and that the customer is happy etc and for us to then come in to maybe do a cross sell or an upsell uh, of another product but that that to me that is a little bit how sales would work and, okay um, um we would keep like a half an eye on 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 on, on our customer to see that they're uh, actually being treated well but that that would be an, another expertise okay yeah but it's making sure that you're connected as well yeah 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 Th and that is that is our responsibility so having a proper handover that is our responsibility okay so. and and this brings me to my, my final question what does collaboration versus competition mean to you collaboration versus competition what does that mean to me um well i would say that um sales is is all about collaboration and about competition because you're never alone in the market i don't think there's a single product where you have just one supplier unless um you count dictatorships um and they're not selling anything so um it's it's basically you need to collaborate with your customer in order to eliminate the competition mm -hmm. nice Great, Olaf. Well, thank you very much for your time today. And we we'll look forward to hearing more and perhaps joining your class. Well, that <laughs> would be one. You're most welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. This was another episode of the See You Tomorrow podcast. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Harbour Space, visit harbour.space and we'll see you tomorrow.